You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. You know what somebody said to me the other day? Is um, we were talking about like who gets famous and who gets opportunities and who like really makes somebody of themselves. And I think for years I always thought it's gonna be the most talented people, like the people who are the most beautiful, like the most, most, most. It's not about any of those things. It's literally about just who is the most audacity to like go yeah. out there and get it done, you know? And resilience too. So yes. the people that make mistakes. Mm-hmm have things not go well, and then keep going anyways. Yeah, it's honestly the people who, like, have no fear, who aren't afraid to be seen, like, being beginners, aren't afraid to be, like, seen trying. And I honestly, this is a hot take. This is coming in real hot. I think that's the reason why there are so many sociopaths in, like, Hollywood. Because they don't, like, view failure. Like, they don't feel the same way. They don't care what people think about them. They just don't care and that is why they're so successful and like because they're comfortable being cringe and that's been the biggest thing for me as like somebody who like works in social media like you really have to get comfortable with people seeing you maybe not posting like the best content like you have to get comfortable feeling like a little bit of a dweeb in front Mm -hmm. of the camera and that is a very specific skill that I truly like I think anybody can learn that you just kind of have to get over yourself but there are definitely people like sociopaths mm-hmm. who are like more predisposition to be able to like execute on that comfortably. Yeah. If that makes sense. And we've spoken before about how many tries we had with this podcast before we launched a single episode. Yeah. And like we definitely have not hit perfection or even close. Listen, we're never going to because yeah. perfection is something that is not obtainable as a human being so once you let go of that I feel yeah. like then then the fun really starts because it's like well I'm the only thing for sure is we're gonna suck at one point yeah so if that's the worst thing that's happened it's already happened so yeah. like and, onward and up right and worst case scenario we get to look back <laughs> on all these and be like look how far we've come like remember little itty bitty us <laughs> like when did we start doing this back in when did we record or attempt our first episode o- October 2020 no September 2022 Mm -hmm. in my parents basement in matching pajamas (laughs) drinking wine out of teacups i will say i it's a shame that episode is lost forever because by the end of it i think i was so drunk (laughs) (laughs) it's like a total like lost archive although i know we still have the video footage somewhere somewhere Maybe if we ever, Google Drive. if we ever hit a hundred episodes, let's release that Our as the one hundredth episode. episode. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> no, yeah, he oh got. We lost all sense of filters. Um, Immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not even, not even a few teacups in, just right away. Well, Kelly, we pre-drank. We pre-drank because we were so nervous about <laughs> recording. I was like, let's just really quick, like, slug this one teacup teacup of wine back. Yeah. <laughs> and we were feeling real comfortable after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All this is a roundabout way, I guess, to kind of get to where we're drawing the line today. So, okay, my first question for you. Did you watch the Met Gala at all last night? I did not. I did look up a little bit about it, but mm-hmm. 
Like, my family didn't grow up watching it. Like, it's not... Oh, okay. It's just not my jam. Yeah. So, I understand that it is an honor for a lot of people to be invited, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of uncomfortable feelings. I did see one funny TikTok about... <laughs> it was about all of the people boycotting the Met Gala because yeah. they're, it was in celebration of Carl Lagerfeld, who... Yeah. If... Yeah, if you pick a group of um, disenfranchised people, he has made an offensive comment about them. That man really covered a lot of ground in pissing everybody off, except for other white men, cis white men. Like, let's be honest. And aggressively bullying people. So there were a lot of people not at the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. Some people gave reasons. Not everyone did. I mean, some people are just busy, have other things going on. And I think also some people are not at a point where they have the time and emotional capacity to really think critically about Mm -hmm. their actions, which, like, I, I will be the first to admit that having the time, space, and emotional capacity to look critically at your behavior, Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is a huge privilege. But I think we need to be asking ourselves why the most privileged people on the planet still can't find a minute in their day to, like... To just have a decent sense of humanity. Look in the fucking mirror for a second. Like, okay, not to completely derail you, but, like, I don't know if you know this about me. In 2016, I was, like an influencer like I was a Mm -hmm. full-on influencer and fashion was specifically like my niche um and I I, like no I will not pretend to be anything I wasn't I was like purely like bargain fashion drugstore makeup like very very like low-end stuff but dude the Met Gala was like my Super Bowl back in the Mm. day and I grew up with it like that I know your family wasn't like that at all hey like didn't watch it watch the Met Gala at all like I'm maybe my parents watched some award shows, but mm-hmm. I was in the basement doing my own thing. Oh, uh, well, that was like, I remember growing up. I'm not up, a pop cultural guru. Really? I find that kind of surprising because you're so like into Taylor Swift, but also. She's the exception. Yeah, she's the <laughs> exception, not the rule. But like for me, I remember like, especially when I first kind of started discovering fashion. That was a huge deal for for me and for my mom. My mom was really into fashion and she lived through all the best decades of fashion. Like I I will never get to live through like she grew up in the 60s, uh, was in her 20s and the 70s, 30s and the 80s, like iconic looks. And she was like, yeah, the 90s was when we just like lost the thread of the plot <laughs> of fashion forever, which is totally true. But like I remember sitting down and being like, so enthralled with these beautiful people and their beautiful clothes and like to quote the devil wears Prada right now like fashion is it's art but it's art that you can wear like that's what makes it so exquisite and so meaningful like you live your life in these pieces and I think this was the first year of my life that I just didn't watch at all for us, it was like, like I've mentioned, I was always an avid reader as a kid. Mm-hmm. We had a huge pack of kids in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And this was like growing up in the 90s, like mm-hmm. you head outside in the summer and come home when the streetlights go on. Oh, yeah. Like, hell we, yeah. We had that freedom. And our parents like would call each other in the landlines and be like, mm-hmm. oh, they're in your backyard. OK, we'll send them here for lunch. Cool. Yeah. But my parents kind of let us live under a rock. So Mm. We pretty much only watch movies on VHS and then DVD. Oh my god, VHS. Like, I didn't actually even know what Family Channel was until I was, I think, like, 
10, 11 years old because we just didn't really watch cable other than Saturday morning cartoons. Did you have like a Lizzie McGuire free existence as a no, child? No, that okay. was when we started watching. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm just like, what? who are yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah, so like back to the Met Gala. Yeah. Well, I guess this still relates. But mm-hmm. yeah, growing up that way, I did not know who a lot of celebrities were. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being in elementary school and our, our classmates were having a feud that was Backstreet Boys versus Spice Girls. And <gasps> oh, meanwhile, Spice Girls I'm like, all day. come on. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm like, we walk to school from our house and I can't name a single song because all we're listening to at home wow. is CDs of like the Beatles and Van yeah. Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom would play like top 40 in the car, but we just mm-hmm. weren't. It feel, felt like we weren't in the car a lot. Yeah. Anyways, a lot of the celebrities that I encounter now, just like the way that I've curated my social media, mm-hmm. it's only when they're adjacent to like a cause or like a current right. event that I care about. Mm-hmm. So some of the accounts that I follow, like there's one called Impact, where they right. were shouting out, and I, I was actually really impressed by the way they did this. So rather than focusing on the the problematic person that the Met Gala was honoring this year, mm-hmm. they chose to focus on the faces and people and minority groups that historically have not been represented. So mm-hmm. they were highlighting um, people of color, cool. um, specifically like black individuals and Asian folks. And they also had like a highlight reel of queer couture, I oh, think I was how they phrased that. it. Yes. So they made a point of addressing the fact that these people were showing up coming in with stunning looks and Mm -hmm. just taking up space yeah and also that there were a few people who there are ways to protest other than boycotting and canceling so Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently Carl Lagerfeld hated the color pink. Yes, so absolutely hated it. Yeah, there were qu- I noticed quite a few pink dresses <laughs> too. on their that carpet, which uh, unfortunately kind of clashed with the Colgate toothpaste oh, themed carpet. Who but. like who made that decision? I oh my god, oh my, it yeah. was worse than the champagne carpet, which I also hated. But I thought that was a really good way just to highlight like. Yes, they are honoring someone detestable Mm -hmm. this year, Mm -hmm. but I think the Met Gala as a whole kind of supersedes that one individual. I think, did they make a mistake this year? I personally think so. Yeah. But it's, it's bigger than just the one person being highlighted this year. Do you know, like, kind of the history of the Met Gala and, like, wh- why it happens every year? No. Uh, not a clue. No. Okay, well, I will give you the, like, and this is, I, w- I want it on the record that I only know about 80% of what I'm talking about <laughs> uh, because this is all, like, knowledge I used to be really entrenched in, but, it's, uh, you know, I have more important things on my mind these days. But so the basic, like, rundown of why we have the Met Gala every year. I don't know if you know, but like the Met in New York, that is the largest costume and fashion archive in the world. And uh, when it was first starting out, like there, there was this real push to like preserve real Hollywood moments and preserve like these historical pieces of fashion. And mm-hmm. it started out as a fundraiser for the event. And how it works is essentially like the big designers of the day, they purchase the tables at the Met And then they invite, like, celebrities, whoever, to come and, like, wear their designs and, like, pay tribute to this, like, costume theme. And um, I don't know, like, how do I want to say this? 
I think what started off is a very well-intentioned event, which is like raise money for a historical archive. We all know it's super important to preserve history. Uh, if we stop acknowledging and recognizing our history, we lose a huge part of our learning and our growth as humanity. So that's really important, even something as simple as clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, for me at least... This whole event has kind of spiraled beyond what I would consider tasteful and in fashion anymore. Mm -hmm. I think what started off as a way to really celebrate like works of art that we get to live our life in has almost like turned into a glamorization of the ultra rich Mm -hmm. in a time when so many people are so far removed from that culture. It has a very, like, Hunger Games-esque quality to it, like, the last few years. Yeah. And, like, for a while, I thought it was just me. Like, I, I posted a poll on our Instagram story uh, early earlier this morning because I was, like, thinking about this topic. I knew we were going to talk about it. And I was just like, is something, like, am I just growing out of this interest of fashion? Like, is it just not grabbing me the same way anymore? And I was kind of surprised to see that, like, a lot of people who follow us also had the same thing where they're like not as interested in watching celebrities parade around anymore and like Mm -hmm. I'm also a person who like obsessively watched the Golden Globes and the Oscars literally just for the people who were there Mm -hmm. and like I thought I was just like getting old being like I don't recognize any of these celebrities anymore and I don't know like who's doing what or like why they're wearing like I don't understand the pop culture anymore but I feel like as I grow up and I settle more into my identity and like what's important to me, like it becomes more and more instilled in my values and in who I am that like the only thing I want to do with my life is be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to find a way to make the people around me feel good, to improve the world around me, even in some small way. And like I'm a person without a lot of means. I grew up without money. I probably will die without a lot of money. And I'm okay with that. But I do my best with the resources that I have. All that being said, every single day, I imagine what I would do if I had unlimited resources, unlimited money to spend on the causes that I hold very dear to me. So to like, look at my TV and see the beautiful people parading around in I'm sorry, Jared Leto, Leto, Jared Leto, Leto? How do you say his name? I'm the wrong person Uh, to ask. (laughs) See, this Um, is how far removed, like Jared Leto, let's say, parading around a giant cat costume. I'm like, this is not art. This is not the purpose of why we're here. This is just like opulence for the sake of opulence. Watching Kim Kardashian show up in her fucking skims and pearls, that's not art. That's just ridiculous and stupid to me. Yeah. And like, I just think about if I had as many like resources as they did, as much money as they did, like, I would be doing so much more with it. Like, why doesn't everybody want to make the world a better place? Like, why is it all about who has the most audacity, who yeah. has the biggest shout, like the biggest scream? Like, I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but it just feels distasteful and out of fashion to me now. And because we're due for a Taylor Swift reference. Obviously. She has a song called The Last Great American Dynasty. And I think the concept of those dynasties is 
falling because the concept of the American dream, people mm-hmm. have realized, is no longer attainable. Like most of us no. are much closer to falling below the poverty line mm-hmm. than we ever would be to being a millionaire or billionaire. Well, they released that study a couple of years ago. Most of us are one missed paycheck away from like severe financial trouble. No, like, especially severe. in this economy. Girly, I'm living it. <laughs> it's no. scary. Like, yeah. And just like looking at the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. So I think people deserve to celebrate their achievements and successes and accomplishments. Absolutely. So for people that worked hard to get there and put like great thought and intent Mm -hmm. into those outfits, um, like I don't I don't want to take that away from them. But at the same time, if you take the amount of money that is spent on this event. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like any gala really Mm And if you just put that directly in the hands of the cause that mm-hmm. you're trying to support mm-hmm. without putting on the fashion show, yeah. like you could do so much more good and have more impact. Yeah, like I just, I and I also feel like I don't, you don't follow it, so you probably haven't noticed like the mood changing, but like 10 years ago, it was like very exclusive to be invited to the Met Gala. It was a mm-hmm. big deal to have a designer ask you to come and wear like an outfit for them or sit mm-hmm. at their table. But I almost feel like we've seen like more and more influencers invited. I'm sorry, the Kardashians have no business being there. Like, in my opinion, they aren't doing anything innovative in the fashion world. But the fact that they have to, like, buy influencers or invite influencers off of TikTok, off of, like, Instagram, in order to keep, like, the younger generations interested, that, to me, is such a signal of, like, a huge tone shift almost and like don't get me wrong I do have a best dress list obviously um Anne Hathaway looked amazing Lizzo looked perfect I love Lil Nas X he looked amazing um Rihanna Doja Cat like all great but at the end of the day I feel like I'm just starting to look more critically Mm -hmm. at at this expression of art and kind of wondering like what is the line between celebrating our artistic endeavors and how imperative they are to our society because if we don't have art we have nothing like no we need it but what's the difference between celebrating art and just like pure capitalist opulence yeah you know especially because the fact that they're tapping like influencers kind of shows that there's this desperation to stay relevant yeah but i think that kind of shows that people's attitudes towards celebrity Mm -hmm. are shifting and I I also acknowledge that like North America has like a huge issue with celebrity it is weird here the the way that paparazzi exists like Mm -hmm. um I had an opportunity to go see One Republic live uh in in Berlin Mm -hmm. when they were huge here Mm -hmm. and they played a hall Mm -hmm. it was super respectful uh, you could be in the middle of the floor seats, in the middle of the dance floor with no fear because everyone was taking care of each other. Yeah. And that's not something that we see here. Like people, like artists stop concerts all the time yeah. because people are literally getting crushed yeah. to death yeah. sometimes or trampled. Crowd crush is a real, a real thing. Like I don't, did you see on Instagram, this is a total sidebar. That's the most Canadian sidebar dilly dally we're ever going to have, but the hockey playoffs are on right now. Like Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. are on. And our hometown, Edmonton, they have the Joey Moss pit downtown, which is dedicated to the I late Joey Moss. Video. Yeah. And like people, it's free to like come in. Basically, it's a large open area, free. There's like limited capacity, but the game is up on a giant TV and like there's beer and food trucks and games and whatever. 
but yeah, there was crowd crush during the mm-hmm. like last game. Like people, somebody got trampled as people like literally broke over the barriers to get into the moss pit to go and start partying. And like yeah, like why why don't we feel compelled to take care of each other? I don't know. I kind of derailed I, us there. <laughs> I think like that yeah, because I saw that crowd crush video That's too. So scary. And I think we had an amazing example of Mm -hmm. the lack of care that people have for like the community, the group as a whole during Mm -hmm. the pandemic. Absolutely. Because it was so polarizing, Mm -hmm. but you really got to experience firsthand and really understand like who in your environment, especially because we were mostly limited to like a smaller radius, like Mm -hmm. keeping closer to home, but you really figured out who in your environment was considering the society as a whole versus having putting themselves first and can I just say it was a very shocking realization mm-hmm. that people who I had known for years like family members who like mm-hmm. you know I had neighbors I grew up down the street from like family who helped raise me and you would think like these people share your values and like understand yeah. like we need to do something for the collective good we need to take care of each other and how many people were just like unwilling to do that, you yeah. know? And it was super. And honestly, <sighs> I'm proud to be a sensitive snowflake Absolutely. because I give a fuck about other people. Well, and I'm just like, what is the point of going through life being a mean, self interested person? Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand how somebody who can isolate themselves in that way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is a huge problem going back to like the whole phenomena of celebrity is a lot of these people get so isolated and so completely separated from, like, people who do have those community-based values, let's call it Mm -hmm. that, and they get kind of sucked into their own little world, and I feel like, when is enough enough for these people? Like, when is an... And listen to how I'm talking about them right Mm -hmm. now. It creates a huge sense of, like, us versus them. Yeah, and I think there's a trend that happens a lot with, um, especially music artists that do Mm -hmm. quite well for themselves. Yes. Is... There's often like a third or fourth album slump mm-hmm. where they are no longer writing lyrics or producing songs that are relatable. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like so many artists out there fall into this trap of like they are writing about the way they grew up and the yeah. way they're experiencing the world, and it's very relatable. Mm-hmm. And then they'll drop a song that's like, I can't go out in public. Everyone's yelling I'm so my famous. name. And it's like, that's exactly what you wanted. Yeah, it's like, this is what you were working for. To mm-hmm. quote Taylor Swift, because again, we are a little overdue mm-hmm. on this. I gave my blood, sweat, and tears for this. Like, this is what you fought for the whole time. Mm-hmm. And yet, I don't think anybody is ever prepared for the reality of that until they're in it. Yeah. And like... I would be a terrible celebrity. And you know what? I... I will be honest, I grew up really wanting to be famous. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I always, I had, like, showbiz ambitions, but, like, more, like, musical theater-esque, like, not not cool kid showbiz aspirations. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, really saw myself being a famous person. And there have been a few times where, like, I've gotten close to achieving that goal. Like, this is a deep cut for people who probably only know us in real life. But Kelly and I actually, like, we're, I'm super into Lego. And I kind of dragged you along for the ride Mm -hmm. of when I was auditioning for a Lego-based reality show. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. a thing. It's amazing. And the second we found out we didn't get on that show and it didn't work out, I kind of was really relieved. Like, I don't think I could handle that level pressure. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the one celebrity who I do follow on social media, other than Taylor Swift, Obviously. is Louis Capaldi. I have no idea who that is. Because if I played you a song, you would know. Okay. So I'll, okay. we'll do your homework on the on the car mm-hmm. ride home. Thank you. Um, but he just actually had a Netflix documentary come out. Mm-hmm. So he is someone who just has an incredible voice. He's an incredible songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he will post these um, TikToks. And the comment sections are people being like, um... Does his PR team know he has his password again? <laughs> or this man does not know he's famous. Oh, my God. Um, like, I think, who was it? He's friends with Niall Horan. And okay, girl. He... I have a huge crush on him for my 1D, ga- 1D gaze. Oops. 1D gaze. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Niall Horan posted his new song with, like, um, an instrumental section for an open first. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to, like, horrendously not be able to quote this. No, I but... love when you butcher the lyrics, please. Okay, but these aren't lyrics. <laughs> Louis Cavalli comes in and goes, tits, boobs, butt, like, just <laughs> these, like, random words, and it's, like, a pretty, like, slow, like, meaningful song. Should and... we do a cover of that song? You know how to play guitar? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll go home and learn the soundtrack to a TikTok. That is for subscribers only. <laughs> Spotify <laughs> subscribers only. Maybe maybe we'll share the TikTok to our story tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That seems Yes. I don't think I could capture it. He also has an amazing voice that I cannot match. I don't know about that. So yeah. But anyways, mm-hmm. like he's just unapologetically himself and he's really open about his struggles with mental health with mm-hmm. Tourette's so he often oh, wow. gets like being in high stress environments are not great for him right and he performs to sold out shows of tens of thousands of people like how do you do that uh sometimes you step away from the mic and you let the crowd finish the song oh my god so this is like a like an individual who yeah. is just like unapologetically himself yeah and he just does not give a fuck about behaving like a celebrity, about trying to be an influencer. Like, he makes fun of himself all the time, yeah. but it's not... Sometimes it is, but it's not just, like, self-deprecating. It's actually just, like, he's still pretty humble. And watching him in interviews, yeah, he'll say things all the time, and I'm like, you are a regular person. And that's the thing I think we forget so often about these celebrities, especially when we see them in situations Mm -hmm. like the Met Gala, when it it is truly like Hunger Games-esque, where it's like, you know, the capital citizens and like the rest of us out here in the districts digging in the dirt. But it really, like, we forget they're just regular people. Mm -hmm. And our culture insists on like holding them high up on this pedestal. But, like, honestly and truly, if if we ever get famous from this podcast, I will still be on our stories, not wearing makeup, freshly woken up. You'll like... see me at Walmart in my sweatpants. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Socks and Birkenstocks. <laughs> John was joking with me the other day, so I was trying to, like, figure out what to wear. And, I, obviously, I like fashion, so I always like stepping out in a fit. And the other day, I just, like, fully could not put an outfit together. I was freaking out, and he was like, Lisa you know you're you're a world famous podcaster and he's like we're manifesting so he's like you're a world famous podcaster like you got to have the fit for if somebody sees you and i just like looked at him and was like there's a reason i'm a podcaster no one's ever going to see me but yeah. like yeah i don't know it's just i feel like we fame alienates you so much from the people you love and any sense of normalcy like 
in a weird way, I kind of feel bad for these people. Like, I feel mm-hmm. bad that they don't understand the joys of going to Safeway with no makeup on to mm-hmm. get a roll of toilet paper and a chocolate bar. Yeah. I don't know why those two. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But, like, it's just the dark side of fame and the disconnect from reality and, like, I just don't think it's good for you. Um, that being said, if this podcast really takes off, I won't be that upset about it. I, I will learn to live with it. But also, that's the benefit of what we're doing, is we're behind a microphone. Mm-hmm. And the only people who can see us are the people who subscribe to our Patreon, because there's a video of this going <laughs> up there. Um, but yeah, it's just the more I kind of age out of celebrity culture being like an ingrained part of my identity and my social groups and how I connect with people the more I'm kind of like yeah I don't really want that and I don't really think that's the best for best situation for anyone to be in I think it really discourages our natural instinct to be kind to each other yeah because I think it's one thing to have curiosity about someone Mm -hmm. and be celebrating them for the successes they've had Mm -hmm. but there's definitely a line, and I think, like, in, in general as a society, especially in North America, yeah. we need to have better boundaries about how we treat celebrities. Oh, my God, yes. Like, do you remember, like, and we're, these are people, like, we are people who grew up in the 2000s mm-hmm. when it was, like, here's a photo of Paris Hilton drunkenly falling, falling out of a car. Nobody's helping her up, but there are a thousand people taking a photo of her skirt. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? Or even the fact that the day Emma Watson turned 18, <sighs> paparazzi were waiting to try to take photos of her skirt because mm-hmm. up until that day, it was illegal. It was illegal. And I'm like, it should still be illegal. There was a countdown clock. I don't know if you remember this, for when the Olsen twins turned 18. Like, there was a countdown clock on online with, like, this many days, this many hours. Like, that level of fame, it just opens you up to so many different types of victimization. Yeah. And you could not pay me to raise a child in, in the world of Hollywood, in the world of celebrities. Like, I don't know if you've um, watched the new, I think it's Brooke Shields, her new documentary that came out. It's called Pretty Baby. Not yet, mm-hmm. but I did recently read um, Jeanette McCurdy's book. I'm glad. Oh, God, I'm yeah. glad my mom died. And that whole environment of child stars. Mm-hmm. I ha- I haven't dove in. Dived. 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 <laughs> I have not taken a deep dive into yeah. this yet, but there's actually a lot of former Nickelodeon and Disney yeah. Channel stars. I think some of them have a podcast even that talk yes. about like how terrible those working conditions mm-hmm. were, and they were literal children going through this yeah and like and I I also think it's a completely different experience for female children versus male children like there was an interview on one of those podcasts which I think is hosted by um what's her name Reagan from Even Stevens like the remember Even Stevens Family Channel. There's a family channel. I don't know if you remember this. But it was, like, one of the girls from, like, Even Stevens. uh, She's hosting that podcast, and she interviewed Josh from Drake and Josh. Mm. I don't know if this is resonating with you at all. Christy Carlson? Yeah. Romero? Oh, God. We we have our phones. We can Google this. But anyways. um, So she interviewed Josh, and, like, Josh was on Nickelodeon, which, like, Jeanette McCurdy, like, uh, Miranda Cosgrove, they've shared their own experiences, along with a lot of the Zoe 101 girls, also on Nickelodeon. And, like, he basically went on there and was just like, I never had a problem. Like, yeah, I was working crazy hours, and I developed, like, a drinking problem and a pill addiction when I was, like, 15 years old, 
but I never had a problem. And I'm just thinking, that like, sounds like a problem really, to it me. sounds like, like I don't have a pill addiction. Like, <laughs> but that just goes to show, like, that means it was so much worse for, yeah, like, if that's, female children, for any, probably any queer kids. Yeah, if he's color. one of the lucky ones, the one where it was chilled, no issue, like, that's as far as. <laughs> On the floor. The, the bar, bar is in the basement. The bar is at the bottom of the ocean. And the bar <laughs> is serving all... alcohol to children. <laughs> it's like a swim-up bar at the bottom of the sea. Hi, would you like a pill with your drink, 14-year-old? Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a it's a dark place. I really feel for, like, last night, I don't, again, I don't know if you saw this. I saw this on the highlight reel that Northwest made her, like, red carpet debut at the Met Gala and all I could think was like this is a kid who's in for a rough go of it like mm-hmm. you see all those photos of her as a toddler like hiding her face from the cameras you know four years old yelling at the paparazzi leave us alone because that would be terrifying as it's, so I mean scary. terrifying to anybody but especially to children you know what I think is scarier is having a mother who doesn't protect you from it or I should say parents and a large extended family who doesn't protect you from it, who hears you being uncomfortable with it, and basically says, well, this is the family business, and you are just another product to be sold, which, talk about dehumanizing and sad, and I I hope that what's going on right now with the disinterest in celebrity, like, a lot of these younger kids, like, they're, they're, they are shaping culture now. You could see Hollywood struggling to hold on to mm-hmm. the youth attention. Again, that's why we have the influencers. That's why we have young Hollywood coming out. Like, that's why... That's why we have people that didn't go to the Met Gala. R.I.P. Blake Lively. Like, she served... She slayed whenever she came. And that, that was the big signal to me where I was like, oh, oh, this is no longer the event anymore Mm -hmm. like this is no longer worthy of my attention because somebody who I believe is like an objectively good person or at least tries to be a good person despite kind of having to view her world through the lens of fame the fact that she was like yeah I'll pass on this one that's indicative Blake Lively had my loyalty Mm -hmm. from the moment that she photoshopped (laughs) high heels onto her feet in that one photo, like terribly, like she's so relatable. Um, because I was like, that felt yeah. like commentary on the expectation that society puts on celebrities to Absolutely. always show up looking flawless. Especially because if you think about it, mm-hmm. when we watch them in movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. they did not dress themselves. They did not do their hair. They did not do that makeup. Ugh. They were sitting in chairs for they hours. They were a mannequin. There yeah. were multiple people invested in creating that look, mm-hmm. and we expect them to pull that off day to day. Yeah, yeah, right. You know what? I will make a promise right now to you, Kelly. I I will never go through that much effort for this podcast <laughs> or for any sort of level of fame. I would commit to always stay real. Yeah. Yeah, dilly dally. I texted Lisa today and was like, I'm in a tie-dye t-shirt. What are you wearing? Do I need to change? She's like, I'm in a dress. And I was like, Kale, change. No. And then I show up in my tie-dye t-shirt anyways because... I'm comfortable. Well, and I feel like, too, like, when we first started recording, like, the episodes to put, like, the full-length version, the the raw, unedited footage on our Patreon, like, at first we were, like, really getting dressed up and, like, doing my hair, and it kind of, I'm not going to lie. You blazer. You wore a blazer. But I just kind of, like, I hit this point when I was getting ready where I was like, man, 
I was just excited to sit down and talk to my friend Kelly about, mm-hmm. you know, this thing I learned in therapy this week or like X, Y, Z. And now it's adding this whole layer of like performance to it that like. But we're the ones setting the bar for ourselves. I know. And also, too, like this whole podcast is not a performance. It's literally just like us sitting in a sound booth at our local library shooting the shit like it is this is the least professional thing I've ever put out that is on my resume still and sometimes I'm like honestly if we should be recording ourselves in the car on the way here oh we have great chats in the car my Honda Civic picks up too much outside noise you know what we should get like those like Britney Spears Janet Jackson mics like we should I actually I stole one from a former job at a call center it it is very low quality we need to figure out what kind of mics the carpool karaoke crew yeah I know I'm like do they have a full crew we can have like John in the back just like holding mics over the seats (laughs) no we'll have John in the front driving the car Did you, so carpool karaoke, no one's driving those cars. They're literally being towed by a tow truck. Shut up. I was, the whole time, I was like, man, Adele is such a good driver. She's like on this. Yeah, whoa. They're hooked up to like, not like a tow truck, but they're like hooked up to a hitch. And like that car is in neutral, like it's being pulled behind a trailer. Okay, the magic of Hollywood. Also, but, fuck you. Your hands are on the steering wheel. You're signaling and shit. Get out of here. Yeah, but it's a it's a performance because it would be it absolutely is. unsafe for them to be doing that while driving. Fully. And I was like, it is unbelievable that they never gotten into a car accident. <laughs> never like had to wait for a, like turn or like. Yeah, you just blew my mind. And also, I feel really stupid for not realizing that. It came out, like, within the past couple of years that okay. someone caught them, like, posted a video filming wow. and was like, hmm, carpool karaoke. <laughs> huh, what a lie. Well, yeah. and that that's just it. And I feel like, too, we have to remember, like, as we sit here being very critical of the celebrity system and of Hollywood in general, I think it's important to remember that it's a business. It's mm-hmm. designed to make money. Ergo, it's designed to exploit people in some way. Yeah. So as much as I can sit here and, like, shit on different celebrities for participating or do it, not doing X, Y, Z or living up to my holier-than-thou standards, I also have to recognize that these are people who are being exploited as well. Yeah. In many ways, I think maybe, like, it's consensual exploitation, like, in a way. Because you do, like, when you're a celebrity, you put yourself out there for this kind of criticism for this kind of, you know. I think it's actually, like, more of a systemic issue where Mm. we've been kind of conditioned to think we want certain things. And there's all these arguments about, like, oh, your interests are weird. You don't Mm. like what's mainstream. Or on the flip side, like, oh, I don't listen to anything mainstream. God. Your indie (laughs) record that's much cooler than mine. Um, (laughs) More Taylor Swift. Um, But it's, like, celebrities and producers and content creators are putting Mm. out what they think Mm-hmm. people want mm-hmm. and people don't know what they want but if you see enough repetition and yeah. something becomes familiar to you there's mm-hmm. this whole like law of familiarity where like mm-hmm. say you're on a bus with a bunch of strangers mm-hmm. but that group of strangers is on your bus route mm-hmm. for like a semester or mm-hmm. they're part of your daily co- commute mm-hmm. you're gonna have a crush on one of them <laughs> within a couple months because you see their face every day 
and it becomes familiar. I cannot tell you how many people I've had crushes on just because we were the only two people of a similar age in like an office break room. Work crushes. (laughs) It's real. Are they cute or are they only one age appropriate in a radius? (laughs) Are they just there? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's that law of proximity. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens. That's why Hallmark Mm -hmm. movies... Yeah. Keep plugging out the same formula because it works. It works. Like YA fantasy books. And it, you know what's crazy is with like social media and especially like TikTok, the consumption cycle and the trend cycle is super amped up. So like we see with Taylor Swift is like every time she has a new album, she has to rebrand herself because mm-hmm. people are already bored of like her previous aesthetic. Yeah. Look at like, you know, the first summer of the pandemic. It wasn't like we're in the middle of a global crisis and this is depression and everybody has to live within their means and like stay outside, but like away from people. No, that got rebranded as cottage core. Yes. Like, are you kidding me? And then what was the next aesthetic after it? The next big one was like clean girl aesthetic. When we all returned to the office, still super fucking broke from losing our jobs, needing to like pare down to like minimal, 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 just to try to like make some money back. That's why there's like no beauty products on anybody. Everything's like super simple, super natural, super clean. And like, who knows what the next aesthetic will be i want to know what this summer's aesthetic is i feel like it's going to be very maximalist i think it's going to be kind of a return to like 90s grunge like but like more so tumblr and like 2010 to 2014 tumblr when by the way i was tumblr famous (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that but of course you were i i listen i wrote a 37 chapter fan fiction that had over three hundred thousand words what fandom were you in kelly it's the most embarrassing and like (laughs) not expected thing is for justice league Oh, that's fine. There's so much worse out there. I know, but it's just like, why did I feel that passionately about Justice League? You could have been writing fan fiction about real human people. That's true. I, I think, think it's much worse. I think that's really problematic when people like write fan fiction about like celebrities. I think it's really weird. It's such a like. I mean, at the same time, you're talking to the girl who at one point had two hundred and. 20-something photos of Zac Efron on her wall, so I was definitely (laughs) feeling some big feelings, but you know, who am I to judge? Yeah. Okay, I think this is a good place to draw the line. I've admitted to so many embarrassing (laughs) things. Yeah. So, Lisa is recovering from hyper-consumerism and wallpapering her bedroom with Zac Efron's face and abs. I will, I literally have a picture of this, which I will post as one of our key images. I can't believe I will be sharing that online, but that is my contribution I'm to so the I'm so excited to see it. And I'm also, it should be noted, I'm wearing a, like, brown skull decorated, like, t-shirt. It, it was my first thing I ever bought from, like, a Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. I have, like, these atrocious side bangs, and for some reason, I have my hands above my head, just like, hey. <laughs> it's distinctly cursed. But, okay, what, where do you think the line is? Like, what's one takeaway people can have from this episode? I think celebrity culture is becoming a culture, but because we let it. Mm-hmm. So I think if if people were able to kind of take a step back, think about what these people actually represent, and mm-hmm. separate the celebrity from the characters they play mm-hmm. sometimes, 
I think we need to do a better job of creating better boundaries with the way that we treat famous people. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And like a little bit beyond that, perhaps reconnecting to like the original idea of like this episode. I think I think it is important though to be critical of the people that we put on that stage and that mm-hmm. we allow to have the spotlight because I feel like we all forget if we just stopped watching, they would lose their power. They would lose their influence. So, like, we have a lot more control over who we allow into the spotlight than the Hollywood machine wants us to believe. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, I think the world would just be a better place if we were, you know, not, like, canceling everyone who dares, like, breathe the wrong way. Because I don't think that's the solution either. But Mm -hmm. I think maybe challenge the people that we look up to to do better and be better and truly set the example that they're supposedly setting for us. Like... For me, it's not enough anymore to look hot and no. be hot online. I really want to like fangirl over people who have really solid character. And people who show the ability to listen and learn. And Yeah, and like, grow. I, people mm-hmm. are al- allowed to make mistakes. They should make mistakes. It's so but it's important. how they respond to feedback and criticism mm-hmm. that I think really makes the difference. I give a lot of credit to people who when they screw up they educate themselves they educate others and if you have the resources put your money where your mouth is like Mm -hmm. prove it to me and then you know and i'm good we won't go down the rabbit hole of specific fandoms because that's a full episode that's i caramba yeah if a creator is problematic you don't have to give money to their licensed merch you can find fan-made merch on etsy and support the little creators. You can also pirate things and yes. steal. <laughs> Not that I would ever advocate for that. Yes, but for it, legal reasons, neither of us have ever used LimeWire. I have never accidentally destroyed the entire family computer attempting to download the High School Musical 2 soundtrack. <laughs> that has never happened to me, and no. it never will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't steal, but, like, I'm not a cop. Support... <laughs> Support the little people, Mm -hmm. support the fans, and... And support us. (laughs) Follow us on on Patreon. Yeah. And do some (laughs) research into who you're celebrating. Yeah. Like, that's the whole idea of celebrity, is, like, do some research and do a gut check and make sure you're comfortable. Well, I hope we feel good in your guts, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Should we draw the line? Let's draw the line. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.